It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. It's the amazing Rico Bronia podcast with your host, Evan Roberts. All right, everybody. Rico Bronia time. What else is new? The Mets play a three-game series. They lose a three-game series. They may have teased you for a little bit. You may have gotten giddy. Ooh, Max Scherzer looks great. Ooh, the Mets scored 11 runs. And then reality slapped us across the face. Framber Valdez dominated. Justin Verlander was average. And then the Mets managed to lose a finale of this three-game series that you could tell from the top of the first inning they were going to lose. It didn't matter when they took the lead. It didn't matter when they fought back. There was no point in this game. And now, Grant, that I'm watching this game while doing a radio show with Craig Carton, but there was no point in this game where any of us thought the Mets were going to win. So the Mets lose two out of three to the Houston Astros. They are now a season-high six games under 500. They have dropped, I mean, I don't even know how many games out of first place anymore. I've lost count. 13, 14, 17, Tweedledee, Tweedledum, doesn't matter. They have buried themselves in the wild card race. They're seven games out. That's a lot, especially with as many teams that are ahead of them. And it's just an incredibly depressing time. We are witnessing a free fall here in June that I honestly don't think any of us could have seen coming. Because even though this team has played badly since really the end of the San Francisco series, which dates back to late April, 14-7 and was the high watermark of this season. They were playing so well on that West Coast trip, sweeping Oakland, winning two out of three against LA, the first two against San Francisco. And certainly you can go back to that point to when this team started playing badly. I think the real shock is the Toronto series. Because the Mets had just swept the Phillies. They were 30 and 27. They were three and a half games out of first place. And it looked like everything was at least at the minimum fine. Like maybe they weren't going to take off, take off, but they had steadied the ship. They get swept by Toronto where they can't hit. They go to Atlanta where they blow huge leads every night. They lose two out of three to Pittsburgh. They get the worst split ever against the Yankees. They managed to fix the St. Louis Cardinals by losing two out of three. And now they've managed to fix the Astros because the Astros were a complete mess going into this three-game series. And Houston wins two out of three. And what is so deeply concerning, (laughs) that which is an understatement to use the term deeply concerning, is that now when they have these games, like Wednesday, where they score eight runs and they show fight, and the offense chases a real good pitcher in Chris John Javier, they somehow lose. Before we get into these games, think about this. The Mets scored eight runs on Wednesday and lost. Eight runs. On Sunday against the Cardinals, they scored seven runs and lost. In the first game against the Yankees, they scored six runs and lost. In the opener against the Pirates, they scored seven runs 
and lost. In the finale against the Braves, they scored, wait for it, 10 runs and lost. You go back to that game in Colorado where they lost 11-10, they scored 10 runs and lost. The day before that, they scored seven runs and lost. So there are many reasons for why this team sucks. Many reasons. But the lead is the fact that when they score runs, they can't pitch. To have that many games, like I just mentioned, where you score eight runs or ten runs or seven runs or six runs, and you lose is almost remarkable. Almost remarkable. So before we get into these games, we'll get into all three of these games. We'll look ahead to the weekend against Philadelphia and what can be done. Right now at six games under 500, are you, Pete Hoffman, willing to admit we're effed? I wanted to say the word. I don't want to say it. I want to try to clean things, clean this place up. Would you admit we're effed? I, I don't want to admit it yet. I feel terrible. I'm depressed. Um, it's tough to... to have a positive outlook. So I'm not going to sugarcoat it and say that there's, you know, this is going to be a crazy turnaround and things are going to get better. But I look at it this way. There's an old Boomer Esiason saying, <laughs> one shift, one period, one game. And this sucks that we couldn't win a series against the Cardinals or the Astros who were both struggling. That That's terrible. But if you look at the big picture, there's still what twenty something, twenty plus series left in oh, the I'm season. I'm sick of this, Pete. Though I mean, we we could talk all day about how much time there is left, and you're right, there's a lot of time left. But has this team given you any indication that they're going to turn it around? No, no. And but the, my point is this: is I'm not trying to, to to say like, oh, there's still a forever part of the season. My point is, is all they have to start doing is win a series. If you can win. I know it's a lot, but if you win 15 to 16 series, in the end, you're going to be 10 games over 500. That, that, that's I, that's fine, and that's true, and that's great math. They haven't won a road series since <laughs> April. Like, it's not as easy as saying, go win a series. I mean, I thought when they won the opener and Max Scherzer dominated, and I want to give him credit, like, we will give people credit when they deserve it. Max Scherzer was brilliant in the opener of this series. It was right in front of him. Hey, if they can get a split on Tuesday, Wednesday, they win a series. And as much as this team needs a winning streak and they need a 10 out of 12 more than just winning a series, you got to swim before you can swim really fast. <laughs> I'm sorry. You know what I mean? You got to yes. get in the pool before you can become Tommy Phelps or Michael Phelps, not Tommy Phelps, or David Tommy Phelps. Phelps. Oh my god. <laughs> Here, could I do I did an experiment by the way. Uh for I didn't do it today with McGill because at this point in time there was no point doing the experiment. But on, on I wanted to see the trust level of the fan base with the starting pitching. And though Scherzer was like 40 or 50 pitches deep in the fifth and sixth inning, I still put it out there. Would you trust? Would you put, if you're Buck, do you put Scherzer back out there? Do you put Scherzer back out there? Everyone's calling me a bunch of morons and saying, of course, he look at his pitch count. Look at this. Look at that. But as soon as the eighth inning came around and they, you know, he had given up a a home run, walked the guy or whatever it is, 
it was questionable and people started to like not not be as 90% go for it. Right. Verlander though, the Verlander though was a different start. People were as soon as he had that rough inning, it's like the the trust level is is already there. And that's the thing with Scherzer and Verlander to a T. It could drop like that. Like their their eliteness deflates super quick. You can't trust anybody right now. Well, I, I'll give this to Max and Justin to a degree. They will occasionally remind you of what they can do. You know, you go back to the opener of this series, which feels like six months ago, based on the way game two and game three went. Max Scherzer against the Houston Astros. Granted, it's not a full-strength Astros team. Uh, the Mets have actually scored more runs than the Astros, or at least coming into this series, they were basically averaging the same amount of runs. Uh, they're without Jordan Alvarez, which we can't dismiss. They do have Altuve back now full-time after missing the first couple of months of the season. But Max Scherzer went out, and in game one of this series, flat-out dominated. He was great. He was helped out by some good defense. Brett Beatty made that incredible diving play in the first inning of this game. Uh, Tommy Pham made some good plays in the outfield. But Max Scherzer was efficient. Max Scherzer was getting them to chase his slaughter. We saw that in the very first at-bat when Jose Altuve's diving at a slaughter low and away, and he struck him out on three pitches. We saw an elite Max Scherzer. The Mets gave him some offense. It didn't look like they were going to get it because Hunter Brown in the first two innings of this game looked dominant. And I'm sitting there on my ass thinking, oh, here we go. This is going to be matching zeros all night until Max gives up a home run. And the Mets shockingly exploded in that third inning. Daniel Vogelback, who had a, a really good series, I'll hand it to him. We'll give credit where credit is due. Hit the home run that kind of, it was a home run that stayed in the air forever. Reminds me of the old major league, it's too high, it's too high. This one wasn't too high. And it really set the tone for that fifth inning, gave him the early lead. They put some hits together. Francisco Lindor hit a three-run home run, ended up having a huge offensive game, driving in five runs. It was an odd feel-good game. It was a feel-good game from the offense because not only did they score the five runs in the third inning, but they were able to tack some runs on. They get an RBI single by Jeff McNeil in the sixth. They blow the game open in the ninth. And Max was elite, you know, outside of a little bit of trouble in the sixth, but he got a big strikeout, a solo home run, a Yiner Diaz in the seventh. He probably could have gone nine, if we're being honest. His pitch count was low. Uh, it was very low, 62 through six innings. And he was just flying right along. It was, I don't want to say it's his best performance as a Met. It wasn't. I think that game in Milwaukee coming off the IL last year probably was when he pitched essentially a perfect game until he was taken out. But he was great. I mean, Scherzer was great. The offense was great. And I guess we all kind of thought the same thing in the ninth inning when they were piling it on, which was save a couple of runs, especially knowing they were facing Framber Valdez the next day, who I've said to you, it's either him, Garrett Cole, most consistent best pitcher in the sport right now. Shane McClanahan's up there too. But in terms of consistency, in terms of getting the baseball every five days, Framber's up there. So as the Mets are piling up all these runs in the opener of this series, in the back of my mind, even though it, I, I know one game has nothing to do with the other, like, obviously, save runs is not a real thing. It's not as if the bats only have a certain amount of hits in it. But as they were piling it on in the ninth inning, and Daniel Vogel back drove in two more runs, and Lindor drove in two more runs, there is that thought in all of our brains, which was, hey, we got this one. Can we take it easy? And it was a nice win. But, but I said this on the air the next day, which was, it's a nice win. It doesn't change my view on the team. 
Like as much as we treat baseball like the football season, one game doesn't always cure you. And sometimes there are one games that feel that way. I think going back to that Tampa series, I probably acted that way with one of the drive home podcasts on that comeback win. But in general, like I looked at Tuesday or Monday because it was game one was Monday and said, nice, it's it's a nice victory. But now you got to go out and win the series. Now you got to go out there and keep it going. And it was never going to be easy because you were staring at Framber Valdez and you were staring at Christian Javier. And if you couldn't get the win with Verlander against Framber, you felt awful about the pitching on Wednesday with Tyler McGill, despite coming off a really good start. So the game one was great. You know, let's give Daniel Vogelback credit. He's starting to wake up since his little respite. Scherzer was dominant. Oh, Francisco Lindor drove in five runs. And it's amazing with Lindor. Lindor's home runs and RBIs right now are, it's a good number. Like you, you look at the home runs and the RBIs and you see a guy that's on pace to probably go 30 home runs, 100 RBIs, which I think all of us would sign for. But then you got the average and you got the OPS and you have the fact that he could disappear for days at a time. So I don't want to say he padded the numbers because he didn't pad the numbers. The Mets needed those offensive runs, especially in the third to take the early lead. But he's had such a he's had such a weird season. It's just a weird, weird year. But you look at game two, you have Verlander on the mound against Framber Valdez. And before we get into the game, I tweeted this, I think, and it was late because I started the game on DVR. So sometimes when I tweet during the game, it's disjointed time-wise. It's probably why I shouldn't tweet during games. Let's be honest. I should retire from that. It makes no sense. Because I think time-wise in like the seventh inning, I'm tweeting about the starting lineup. <laughs> and I'm tweeting, we need a freaking base runner. And I think I was doing that like the fourth inning. And I went back on it and looked at it time-wise. And I was like, I may have tweeted about wanting a base runner after they already got a base runner. I'm not sure. But let me start with the lineup. Brett Beatty should have played this game against Framber Valdez. And let me explain to you why. Framber Valdez does not dominate left-handers. In fact, left-handed hitters have actually done a pretty good job against Framber Valdez. I'm not going to bore you with the numbers. Just trust me on it. If you want to fact-check me, go fact-check me. That, that's on you. Brett Beatty has done probably equally as well against lefties as he has righties. He has certainly not looked overwhelmed facing left-handed pitching. So why are you in a rush, if you're Buck Showalter, to sit Brett Beatty down? Unless you're just playing the traditional tough lefty, he's a lefty game, there was no evidence, there's no statistical evidence that would have pointed you in the direction of insisting on sitting Brett Beatty. I don't get it, especially coming off a game in which Beatty had multiple hits. So he's showing you a little bit of a pulse. And that's the frustrating thing. I wanted Beatty in that lineup. So that's issue number number one that I had just sitting down watching this game. Other than that, I I got no problem with Tommy Pham playing every day. Tommy Pham's been one of their better hitters. He has now earned himself playing time. I got no issue with that. Mark Canna has played well lately. He should have been the DH. So lineup-wise, I don't know. I don't have any issue with really anything other than the fact that I'm ready to see Brett Beatty play even more than he's already playing. I just don't think it made sense to sit him against Valdez. I don't think there was any reason for it. Now, Fromber went out and dominated. Fromber Valdez, uh, Pete and I know this well. We orchestrated a trade a couple of weeks ago in which I dumped Fromber Valdez to him. Not dump. I 
I, my team sucks. I'm selling. Sometimes you got to know when to hold them and know when to fold them. And I sold Framber Valdez to Pete Hoffman because his team is good and my team isn't. So I've watched him a lot this season. Pete's now been watching him a lot this season. But even the last couple of years, guy takes the ball every five days. He's tremendous. And what I, what I respect about him is he doesn't even look like a good pitcher. He looks kind of like out of shape. Like he's just, he's there. He has a great story too. Like he was signed at an older age. He was signed when he was 21 years old, which may not sound old, but usually those kids are signed like kids from where he's from are signed when they're like 16 years old. So he wasn't a really highly regarded prospect and he's worked his ass off and he's become one of the best pitchers in baseball. Like in my opinion, he's one of the best pitchers in baseball. And so the Mets not being able to hit him, like I don't want to give the Mets an excuse, but I get it. He's a great pitcher. What the Mets needed was for Justin Verlander to pitch like a great pitcher and match him zero for zero. And then maybe in the sixth or seventh or eighth inning, in this case, you'll get to him or you'll get him out of the game. And Verlander looked great for the first two innings, but that third inning was a disaster. And the biggest disaster was not the sacrifice fly to Jose Altuve to go down one nothing. It happens. He gave up a double to this Corey Jolks. Okay. He gave up a single to Martin Maldonado. Okay. My issue is on 3-0 and to Alex Bregman, a former teammate. He cooked one right down the middle, and Bregman didn't miss it. And being down one nothing to Framber Valdez, okay, fine. Being down 3 nothing to Framber Valdez, it felt like you were down by 20. To Verlander's credit, he settled in, and he pitched into the seventh inning, but then with two outs and a runner on third, and it's still 3 nothing. base hit Jose Altuve killer so verlander goes seven innings four runs how do you want to describe that performance you want to say it was great eh, eh, it was okay but when you're against another ace like framber valdez that ain't good enough now we got teased i give the mets offense this this is what buck loves they showed fight this is like buck a buck specialty they showed fight they're down four nothing to valdez in the eighth they get the first two guys on base mcneil hits the ball hard it's right at somebody Kind of hits the ball hard. It's right at somebody. Escobar comes through with an RBI single, and the Mets is set up with Brandon Nimmo up as the tying run. 